Welcome to the Relate Podcast, where you become equipped for the dynamic, fulfilling relationships you desire with others, yourself, and God. I'm Casey Sunstead, and I'll be your host as we continue the series, Origins, Your Past is Present. Thanks for joining us for the Relate podcast, where we take a look at our origins and how our past is present. I'm Casey Sunstead, along with Tyler and September. We're glad you joined us for this conversation. In the last episode, we explored the negative parts of our stories, those experiences, memories, or words that created untrue beliefs in us about ourselves, the world, and our place in it. Today's topic is one of my favorites. We're talking about why we need other people to speak into our stories. And having people speak into our stories is valuable, but it it can also be kind of funny. (laughs) And so I wanted to ask you guys about a time where you invited somebody into your family to hang out or something like that. And they noticed something that you'd never noticed about your family before because they were like, you know, having a different lens on your family. Has that ever happened to you guys? My family loves coffee. Well, let me preface that with we are like we have a sort of minimalism that we practice in that we don't like to buy a lot, but when we do buy something or get something or eat something or really do anything, we like to do it like in a quality way. So we do less, but when we do things or we eat things, it's better. So you guys are like pour over people, is that what you're trying to say? <sighs> yeah. So <laughs> but like not just me, like we infected my parents and now so like people come over to their house and they're like, well, let me get the Chemex out yep. and they'll, yep. you know. And so they always like I've taken friends over, they're like, Oh man, I could go for some coffee. And my mom's like, Well, let me make you some. And they're like, Oh, that'd be great. And they think she's just gonna like stick a pot on something. Yeah. That never happens. Like we've gotten her. So she's got a whole system that yeah. is beautiful but time-consuming. Well, and then in the summer, she's always like, oh, well, I made this cold brew yesterday. It was 24-hour <laughs> extracted. It's going to be That's it's awesome. fine. Are you good with, like, Guatemala or would you like the Costa Rica that I did two days ago? Because I still have both concentrates. I can dilute it for you, whichever. But that's probably a lot of people are like, you guys take coffee way too way too far. A little too intense on the, uh, the coffee front. <laughs> but, I, I'm recalling the first time that we celebrated Christmas after I got married. And so we were at my parents' house. It's my husband's first Christmas, my brand new husband with my family of origin. And the way our family had always done Christmas is, you know, somebody would pass out one gift to each person. And then at the same time, we would all open our presents and then, you know, say thank you and whatever. <laughs> and so the whole, so we did all of these rounds of presents and everyone's opening presents at the same time. Afterwards, my husband is like, it was just absolute mayhem as everybody's wrapping presents, unwrapping presents. And, and nobody got to see what the other person got. And, and I mean, he was laughing about it, but he's like, I want to do that differently. That's weird how you do that. Because in his family, each person opened a present one at a time. And it never occurred to me that that was weird. That's he, what I was going to say. He he's like, it was weird. The outsider coming in and being like, wait, what? what? My family's more like yours. Like yeah. growing up, we were just like, oh, there's Star Wars in here somewhere. Right. And we're going to find it. And <laughs> exactly. Whereas my, yeah, my wife's parents are, it's like, okay, who's playing Santa? All right, let's divvy up these presents one yeah. time. What do they get? Say thing. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. And so so now we do that. That's how we have adopted Christmas over all these years. And we yeah. have seven people in our family, plus now in-laws and stuff. So it takes till well into the afternoon yeah. to do one it at a time. a couple hours, but, take, a, yeah. take a snack break. Right. Make some coffee. So now people think our family is weird because Christmas can take into, you know, two meals to cover unwrapping Christmas presents because we have so many Well, know, that's just people. one house and then you go to the next one. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Just make your rounds. <laughs> what about you, Casey? 
I was thinking about this time where I invited uh, a guy I was dating over to my house for the first time. And it was kind of a big deal. My family was like, who is this guy that you've been hanging out with? And he was super quiet the whole night. How dare he? Is he a quiet guy? I hadn't experienced him as being a quiet guy. Okay. We have great conversations. I think he's really funny. And then at the end of the night, I'm like, why were you so quiet? My family's going to think that you're like this, you know, mute. And he's like, excuse me, when was I supposed to talk? There's no, I just went through battle, okay? There's no space. You guys don't stop. You cut each other off. You're thinking five steps ahead. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's super <laughs> true of us. And I just thought that was how every family is. Yeah. You know what you guys should do? You should drink more coffee. You have to take time to take sips. And then you can, some of those introverts as have a chance. As long as the pour over is. Yeah. yeah well, you guys need to get on that. Yeah. Yep. Get on yeah. something. For sure. I think we should buy our editor, Jenny, a cup of coffee for how off the rails we tend to be. We should. I think Jenny is like the best person on the podcast, the best voice <laughs> on the podcast for sure. <laughs> she is because she cuts out all of our shenanigans so that we sound like we she make does. sense. Yes. In the last couple episodes, we've talked about how one way we can gain insight into ourselves is by looking outward. This week, we're going to talk about letting other people speak into our stories. But September, can you tell us why? What are we gaining by asking other people for insight? Mm. My first response, my first gut response on that would be um, everybody needs an editor. So, right. So when I first started writing professionally, I had two amazing editors that were speaking into my life. One was like a, um, a developmental editor. The other one was a copy editor. And I learned so much. So no matter how well we craft our own stories, we only have our own perspective. We can never look from the outside and see what a fresh set of eyeballs will notice. And so I learned so much about how to put together my story by the skill of Susan and Tammy, my editors. And I think the same is true in our actual real life stories. We will never have the objectivity that we need to look at our stories with a fresh set of eyeballs. We need wise people that can you know, be benevolent toward us and how they view our stories and give us the insight that we're not able to see for ourselves. So psychologist, um, best-selling author, Dan Allender, one of my favorites, um, he says this, I need you for I cannot see my own face right? I need you because I cannot see my own face. We, we just will never be able to see ourselves fully a story that is accurate and complete without some outside input that can see things and spot things that we can't spot. It makes me think too that we're remembering these stories from when we were a kid mm-hmm. and then retelling them with that kid experience. Yeah. And then to allow people, as we're telling them, help us see outside of that lens yeah. of being a little kid. Yeah. Well, and if you're kind of secure in who you are, it's kind of fun to have that dialogue and be like, oh, really? That's how you see it? That's, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. I think it takes some, some maturity to be open to that, for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded of this proverb from uh, the Hebrew Old Testament that says this, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise uh, listen to advice. So in other words, the wise listen to other people. When I think about the input that different people have given me over the years, I think of three things that I think outside people can offer us. The first one is gift of presence. The second one is outside perspective, you know, the fresh set of eyeballs. And then the third one is just a validation of your experience. Mm -hmm. So uh, gift of presence being the first one, you know, uh, Maya Angelou, the amazing poet, she says this, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. And there's something that's just super 
powerful and redeeming and healing when someone else is willing to sit with us and listen to our stories, whether those are negative or whether those are positive, you know, parts of our stories. So on the negative side, you know, people that are benevolent toward us, that are wise, that can sit with us and hear our stories, they can care for us in those harder parts of what we've experienced. They can help us not feel overwhelmed. They can remind us of our value and our worth, and they can kind of anchor us to the truth of who we are, even as we're exploring maybe some more painful parts, right? And in this category, I think a therapist is a, a great um, person to offer that gift of presence where they can hear your story. Why are you looking at me so intently as you say that? <laughs> a therapist. Man, therapist. It's like you bring this up wink, every wink. episode, just bearing into my soul. <laughs> I get it, okay? I'm not directing it at you, no, but if fine. the shoe fits, just say it's fine. No. It's fine. <laughs> but even with the positive stories, you know, people can celebrate with us the fascinating and beautiful chapters in our stories. Like just us sitting here chattering about some of the weird things we've experienced, there's joy in that. And it's fun to have other people hear the weird things about our families or the beautiful things or the funny things. Like I love telling people my farm stories from when I was a kid. I love remembering those things and it's fun to tell them. I think it, it's a good practice for you to get into because the more people you tell your story, the better you get at telling your story mm. and the more things you start to realize we all have so much that have, have happened to, to us to make us who we are today that's absolutely true there's nobody whose story is not absolutely fascinating like we all have fascinating stories and they're worth being told so the second thing so the first one is gift of presence the second one is that outside perspective this is the fresh eyeballs the editor's eye right so we're writers of our own stories but we're just too close to them to be objective so those fresh eyeballs can spot things um, that seem or sounded normal to us, you know, like my Christmas present wrapping thing that seemed perfectly normal. And that my outside perspective that I got from my husband was like, hey, there might be a slightly different or maybe even better way to do that. So that was just a little example, but it was super helpful, that outside perspective. And sometimes people with an outside perspective can help us see things and spot things that were, were normal to us and we would never have spotted on our own. So we've got gift of presence, we've got outside perspective, and then there's just also the validation of our experience. I know a, a guy who was kind of working through some of his own family of origin story, but he was young and he didn't have any brothers or sisters when he was young. He didn't have any siblings. And so he, he had a lot of memories that as an adult, as he's looking at them, they didn't really add up to him. And he wondered how true his memories were. So he actually reached out to a cousin and he said, can I just spend an hour with you and talk through some of these things from our family that we grew up in together. So they did. They got together and they talked over all these memories. And that cousin was able to go, that's exactly how it happened. Mm. Your memory is accurate. And it was super validating to him. And I think sometimes, you know, whether we have siblings that could help us with that or um, cousins or neighborhood friends that might have you know, been a witness, so to speak, to the experiences that you had as a child, super helpful. When you say validation, I also think about um, validating how I felt yes. in that moment in my story. Is mm -hmm. that what you mean too? Like not not just validating the facts, yes. but validating like, ooh, I... I I would, can imagine feeling that same way if that wow. had happened to me. Yeah, people can validate even if they weren't a witness. They can say what you're feeling makes sense. Absolutely. Great point. And what you're feeling is legitimate. Yeah. It, you know, whether or not everything happened exactly as you remembered it, it felt real to you. And that's what, that's what you need the healing from or mm. you need the growth from, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, I mean, really, we can't get where we want to go until we're really clear on where we've been. So we can't grow in our relationships until we understand how other relationships have formed us, right? We can't we can't grow beyond how we've always done things or how we've always perceived our lives until we've gotten some growth around that. So we don't know what we don't know. And wise other people can kind of help us spot those blind spots. You know, they can help us know what we don't know um, about how we can get better at our relationships. 
September, you mentioned the words wise and insightful in talking about people we'd share with. I find that um, important. Why did you say wise and insightful about the people that we're telling our stories with? Well, Dr. Henry Cloud, psychologist, um, author of a book called Necessary Endings, describes three categories of people. He talks about wise people, foolish people, and evil people. Wise people being people that have some insight and some wisdom and some experience and some, uh, some depth. And then people who are foolish, they might be well-intended, but the words coming out of their mouths are maybe not going to be the most helpful. Mm-hmm. Again, looking right at me. I can't I, believe you know, <laughs> I'm going to not look at you as I say the third okay, one, great. which is evil. <laughs> so no, But you know, there are people in our lives that maybe are not benevolent toward us. They, mm-hmm. There are people who really do wish us harm. So when we're looking for people to speak into our stories, we're going to look obviously for... I think would be obvious for wise people, people that have something of value to say. And we also want people who have our best interest in mind. Like I know plenty of wise people who may or may not be, you know, a friend of mine, or uh, maybe they have their own agenda. So they would not be somebody I would lean into because it would be hard for them to advocate for me in that space. So you want someone who's wise and also someone who can be an advocate for you. And then I think too, as we're looking you know, back at our stories, it'd be helpful to find people who knew us back then, you know, maybe again, the cousin or the childhood friend or the parent of your neighborhood best friend. You know, sometimes you get an adult perspective on your childhood story that can be helpful. Um, But also people who know us now, people who watch how we interact day in and day out, and they might be able to spot places where they think maybe our story from earlier is kind of leaking into our relationships in helpful ways, but also in ways that might not be so helpful. I think too, uh, through all of this, you're you're saying like, these are the people we should be looking for, but also we should be thinking about how can we be this person in every area of our mm. lives for other people, right? How, do, how are we wise rather than foolish or evil? And how can we intentionally try to be that sort of sounding board for people in a, in a thoughtful way? So wait, how, how do we find the people that are wise? Like what are wise people like when we are trying to find, find them so yeah. that they can hear our story? Yeah. You know, I go back to that 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 Hebrew proverb that says the way of the fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. So who are those people in our lives that we see as listening to the input of others? Like who are people that are teachable, that take into account other people's perspective and they actually make changes in their own lives? Who are the, the people that are humble, that are willing to see an outside perspective? Those are the people that are by definition going to be a little bit more wise when they're listening to your own stories. I also think about, um, as I'm tracking with you, September, and mm-hmm. thinking about the people in my life, I'm going to seek out people who ask me good questions mm. on a regular basis. Like I have those people who, when they ask me a question, it like blows me away. And I'm like, oh, man, that's that's getting to the heart of what I'm trying to share. So, I mean, good question askers are like invaluable. And in order to be a good question asker you have to be a good listener. I think mm-hmm. that most, if, if we think about people that in our lives that we'd say, I think that person is wise. I bet you nine times out of 10, we're going to find that they are great listeners, that they don't just fill the empty space, but they really are observant. Their antennas are up and they're looking around and they're taking in more data than they're spewing out. And they're not just thinking about what their next thing they're going to say is while you're talking. Exactly. So I, I think also wise people are slow to make judgment. They don't view the world as black and white. They understand there's always two sides to a story. They are able to sit in discomfort. They're able to sit with something until things become clear. Reminds me of the word we've used, curious. They stay curious about the story as they hear it. One of my favorite characteristics of the wise people in my life is when I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they will say the hard thing that maybe I don't want to hear. Like that gives me such um, confidence 
that they are really advocating for me because that's not easy to say the harder things to people. We have plenty of people in our lives that are willing to suck up to us and it's not that helpful. I want somebody who's going to tell me the thing I can't see, the thing that I'm missing. And so it takes a little bit of ego strength to be able to say those hard things. And those are just invaluable traits to find in a good friend. You bring up a good point about what kind of feedback they're going to give us. So what are we asking for when we sit down with, when we find these wise people, what (laughs) input are we looking for? There's this business evaluation model. It's called Stratops. And in that, in it, which is it's a little bunny trail here, but stay with me. In Stratops, they evaluate a business or an organization based on what they call four helpful lists. So what's right about the organization, what's wrong, what's missing, and what's confused. And I think that that same kind of a, a breakdown really works well when it comes to the insight that we w- might want to ask people for in our own lives. So we might be able to ask, so number one, what's right? When they hear our story, what beauty do they see? What positive things do they spot? Oftentimes, I'll hear from somebody who makes an observation in my story that I never would have thought of. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. That was awesome. That was awesome. I had a friend who pointed out how the beautiful setting that I grew up in, this beautiful farm and an old dairy barn, was really like a character in my story. It wasn't just a setting. It really was a character. Like I was this artsy child who would sit in trees and write stories and stuff, you know. <laughs> and um, and that person was exactly right. So I, it was a beautiful part of my story that I loved, but I had never really identified it as that. So what's right in your story? An outside person can help you see what's right. Number two, what's wrong? So what negative things might they spot? So again, they can validate maybe the pain that you went through. They can help identify ways that maybe in relationships today you get in your own way. Um, Maybe they can help you spot blind spots and they can certainly coach you on opportunities for growth. So, you know, so what's wrong? And wrong is kind of a harsh word, but in general, what's not ideal? What's not ideal? What, What is not helpful? And wrong might be, um, there are definitely things that are obviously wrong. And then there are things that are, I don't know, maybe a little sideways or maybe a little different that yeah. needs some attention to. Yeah. But if somebody can say like, huh, that's interesting, that might not have felt so good. And you're like, oh, I at the time, I just took it as normal, but they're showing your, your blind spot. It's similar to what we chatted about earlier. You know, Tyler, your family doing things very intentionally about their purchases and their coffee, and then somebody else going, huh, you're a little bougie on that, you know? And it's not that it is horribly wrong, but it is an outside perspective that perhaps is worth some, just some looking, yep. just some looking, some curiosity. You know, we keep using that word curiosity. So there's right, there's wrong. The third thing is missing. What's missing? Is there something glaringly obvious to a listener that I never articulated when I was telling my story? So are there parts that I left out? Are there things that just never even crossed my mind that somebody else would be like, what the heck? So I have this dear and wise friend and she is a voracious learner and she's intensely curious about her own story. And she's just I don't know, and she inspires me with how hungrily she goes after her story. As she, she and I were sitting down one day and she was telling me, the first time really I heard a bunch of her, you know, her story. So I listened to the whole thing and then she asked, do you have any insight? The thing that was curious to me was that she told the whole story and there were some painful parts there. She never once mentioned her father. She only gave voice to her mother. And the, the ways, and there were some significant ways that her mother had caused some harm. But the father was like this absent figure. And so we just talked about that. Like, But he wasn't absent in her life. No, he, they were married and he was in the home. You know, I mean, yeah, totally. But she part, didn't but talk her, about him in right, her story. Right, it didn't come up as she was sharing her story. And so we just had 
you know, again, as an outsider, it made me go, huh, that's missing. What, you know, it's just curious. It was curious. And so we had this little conversation about it, whatever. But that's an example, I think, when sometimes you're, especially as we begin to work on our stories and we begin to kind of peel back the layers, some stuff will pop out at us and we go, oh my gosh, I never noticed this. And in those early stages of exploring our stories, we might not really notice what's what's missing. And an outside person not not having any clue about your story will be able to spot that. Yep. Yeah. Especially if they're showing up curious, yeah. if they're showing up, like we talked about, kind of withholding judgment. They're just listening and trying to connect your story. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So there's right, there's wrong, there's missing. And then the fourth one is confused. So what parts of your story don't add up? You know, what parts of my story are worth a little bit of further exploration? So there might be parts that um, I'm just not able to see clearly. You know, the old adage, you can't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes you're so thick into your own story, you just, it, it's confusing. You can't make sense out of it. And sometimes a wise, benevolent person can listen to your story and go, all right, let's put these parts in this bucket and let's work on that or let's explore that further. But these parts really belong over here. Like they can help you kind of sort out some of the confusion. So. You know what's interesting about that? I know you said it was really helpful to talk to people who were in your story, like an aunt yeah. or a, but it also makes me think if they weren't there, if they don't know the players mm. in your story, they can give you feedback that doesn't feel personal. Absolutely. I think sometimes a truly objective person will be better probably at spotting spotting those last two, mm. spotting the missing and spotting the confused, yeah. right? There's so much hope for us as we do this kind of exploring in our stories. And we're kind and courageous. We're benevolent toward ourselves. We're not throwing anybody under the bus. We're not looking to blame. We're just looking to learn, right? There's so much hope in that. The name of this series that we're doing is Origins, When Your Past is Present. There's an author who literally wrote a book that has almost the same title. It's called When the Past is Present. His name is David Richo. And I want to pull a quote from him that I find so hopeful. He says, our wounds are often the openings into the best and most beautiful parts of us. Our wounds are often the openings to the best and most beautiful parts of us. And I think about in my own life, um, not so much, I mean, yeah, certainly probably from some childhood stuff, but just some of the circumstances that have happened in in my life over the years have given me greater uh, reason to be compassionate to others. And like, there's, I think probably some, some positive character traits in me that have been developed by some of the harder parts of my story. I think that's true for every single one of us. And that's what I think God invites us to as we do this kind of work. It's like, it's not just for putting things in a category. It actually can be some of the most beautiful parts of our story um, when we are able to take those things um, that were meant for destruction or that don't were not beautiful <laughs> in our lives, and we do the kind of work where they 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 actually become some of the most beautiful growth edges that we have and the most beautiful ways that we contribute to the lives of others. Yeah. So September, as we're talking about sharing our story mm-hmm. with these wise people yes. that we find. It makes me wonder, are you talking about like sitting down and saying, okay, I was born on this day and now I'm 43 um, and everything in between? Or are we sharing like snippets of our story? Yeah. What, what do you mean when you say story? There's probably a, a broad range. What I think if you're doing some deep dive work, probably with the help of a therapist or a mentor, or you know, you're know, you going to really be um, strategic about it, then they probably do need to hear your whole story, you know, from your earliest memories through young adulthood or whatever. Um, but I also think that it can be helpful just if you had a specific incident in your life that you just had some confusion about, or you you have a nagging sense there's something there, for sure, just run that piece by and then let the wise person 
ask more questions if need be. But I, I don't think it has to be this huge exhaustive thing unless you're really kind of wanting to be strategic and kind of go through the whole gamut. Yeah, the Patterson Center has a life plan that they'll do with individuals too right. that you referenced earlier. And they actually break it into, into domains. And you can do all the domains. You can do one. And the domains are, you know, you got personal, your vocation, mm-hmm. your faith community, your regular community, and then your family. Mm-hmm. And so you could just spend a whole day on just family if you wanted. Yeah. but. And, or you could go do vocation and your story might be really short or, more, or very long and, and depending on which domain you're in. Um, but I think just going into a deep dive probably would be helpful for... I think in general, it's hard to just cherry pick one little thing because they're all connected. You know, they're, they're, it's a little bit of a, a spider web into our lives. But, but in yeah. this conversation, yeah. in this um, series of this podcast, we've yes. been talking about identifying the positive mm-hmm. things that impacted us and then identifying the negative things. We could we could just share some of those things we've identified yeah, and absolutely. get some insight from the well, Friend. Yeah, for sure. Like, like if if people listening are having coffee with a group of people that they don't know that well, if it's a book club or if it's a whatever group, then you know there may or may not be a whole bunch of safety, so to speak, in that group. And you may just want to take it at a lighter level. And then if you've got some curiosity about your story, then go a little bit deeper with wise people that you choose. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think your story as a whole is is adaptive and. Um, really dependent on who you're sharing it with. Because like we said, a wise person is going to ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. So your story might just start with being candid and real with somebody and being like, I don't trust people. That's your story so far. The wise person is going to help you discover, Mm. why don't you trust people? Mm. Was there something that happened? Tell me about that. Like, that's why you have those friends because they help you tell your story. For right now, your story could be as simple as a single sentence. Yeah. But those people are the ones that are going to help you build out what your story actually is over time. And that's exactly what this conversation is all about. What do we gain from telling our story? We don't just want somebody to sit and listen. Right. Blah, but what blah, are blah. they bringing that will help us see more accurately? Yeah. And then to abstract, how is that affecting how I live my life today? How is it affecting my relationships? I think it's daunting to think that you have to have your whole story figured out. It's really yeah. not about having your whole story. It's about living authentically authentically with people that you trust. And those people help you figure it out. I mean, our world is going in the opposite direction of authentic, right? Yeah. We've got social media and everything that's telling us, you can just show people a sliver or the best of, right? right. You can Pinterest your life. Yeah. And it's, you know... Being real with people, that's going to be the hardest part. And that's the first step in trying to figure out what your story actually is. And it's a lifelong journey. I mean, none of us will ever get our whole stories figured out. And we don't have to, like, at some point, you're also just wanting to put your energies into actually living your life too, you know. So if you you can continue to grow as you live your life, that's, I think, the ideal As we began this conversation, I said that this is one of my favorite episodes. I love the idea of talking to my friends, I think I'm a verbal processor. And um, I have found some really wise friends who actually is a lot like what you shared September when you said um, the Dan Allender quote about having some, I can't see my own face. Right. And so they, they can show you. And so I'd love to just hear from you guys as you think about these wise people, Mm -hmm. um, who are they in your life? How have you found them? What, what does it look like when you sit down with your people? I think after a conversation like this, we're always like, oh man, I got to look for these wise people. But it really is kind of where I, I ended that last comment. They show up when you're just real with people. There are certain people who are able to speak into your life that um, either you're not expecting or in that stage of life you're not expecting. 
um, I have really close friends right now that I met a year ago and I never expected that. In fact, the frustration of not finding some of those people made us go, maybe, maybe this isn't where we should be. Maybe we should move somewhere else. Maybe the community is more authentic somewhere else. Mm. And it's only, it's only when you're just real with everybody that you realize who's able to actually speak into your life in a relevant way. So when those people come into your life, I think you just feel safe. There's something mm. like there's this idea that authenticity builds trust and trust be, is built on real v- vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You have to be vulnerable with people about your struggles for them to be vul- trusting and vulnerable with theirs. And so I think that authenticity is what really, and that's very hard to do in an yeah. Instagram age where everybody's just trying to, to show the best parts of themselves. Everybody looks like they have it all figured out on their blog or on the Instagram. So yeah. Yeah. For me, like I'm going to use Casey as an example. So we've known each other for many, many years. And, but rec- in recent years, she's actually, we've gotten closer because we work together. And one of the conversations we had early on, because our relationship has shifted from friends to actually colleagues and friends, um, is like, I'm going to feel safer with you once you knock me upside the head once when I blow it. And we can navigate that, that conflict and come out on the other side being you know, great with each other, which of course has happened already. And of course, (laughs) you know, it did go well. Casey is absolutely one of my safe people because I've seen that she will be truthful with me when I do something that's hurtful or not helpful in our, in our friendship. Yeah. Trust, trust goes both ways. and Vulnerability goes both ways. Like there are moments where I rely on the people to tell me, Hey, you actually, you totally missed the boat and you're seeing things completely incorrectly. Like this is where you need to course correct and adjust. And I feel so safe when someone does that to me personally. And then you know that they're not walking around thinking the thing's you know, and not right. not saying them and yeah. creating exactly. a list. Exactly, they're not going to blindside longer you. And longer. Yep. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. they're not going to surprise you with a list that you didn't see coming. For me, I think I've made a shift in maybe the last five or so years where um, it felt good to me to have somebody who just hears my story and agrees with my perspective and supports me, whatever that perspective is. And I think I've shifted now to more um, looking for friends who can show me something that I didn't see about my story or can ask, like I I mentioned before, people who ask good questions Mm. are so valuable to me. Show me something that I haven't already considered. Yeah, yeah. I think also there's something about those people that are in our safe circle. Um, There's two categories, I think. One is people that are like in a mentor role with us. They might be kind of a season ahead of us or at least a wisdom step ahead of us. And that kind of a mentor sort of relationship can be somewhat one-sided where I might be regularly going to somebody else to seek counsel or seek input. Um, But for many of us, when we're looking for safe people that are more friends, look for somebody who is willing for that safety to go both ways. You know, I've, I've had friendships that have kind of stalled out because I would share, you know, maybe my hard stuff, but it was never reciprocated. And they received my hard stuff beautifully and, and helped walk with me or whatever. But when it's not reciprocated, eventually that becomes not a very safe friend. It doesn't feel authentic. To your point, Tyler, like the authenticity is one-sided and that doesn't, for me, that doesn't work. Yeah. I've actually heard the um, four helpful lists before, uh-huh. but never thought of applying it to my personal story. Right. And makes me wonder when we talk about the right, the wrong, the missing and confused, is there one of those that you tend to resist wanting to consider in your story? Uh, that's a tough question. What about you? The word confused 
almost makes me want to um, gag because I like <laughs> to have everything figured out. I like to intellectualize my story and to say, well, they acted this way and that's because of this. And I, I like to understand it all. And so for somebody to say, that sounds confused, um, I would resist that a little bit. It's unsettling. Whereas I like that tension. I like sitting in the the ambiguity of confusion. The one that I don't like is the right. Mm. That's, it's like, it's, we've talked about this before. It feels unproductive to me to name what's right. And so, yeah, Thanksgiving's a hard holiday for me. (laughs) To like (laughs) decide, hey, okay, what's actually going well? What are the good things that, yeah, that's that's definitely the one I resist. That's the one I want to hang out in. I'm such a positive person. I want to talk about the positive things. Right. Let's right. just sit down and have coffee about all the right things. Casey, together we might be a fully functioning <laughs> middle child collective. I don't know. It's so funny. You guys cover a lot of ground between mm. the two of you. For me, I think it's wrong. And, I, and that probably comes because my parents are beautiful and lovely people who handed my brother and I such a better uh, experience with less trauma than each of them experienced, you know, in their childhoods. And I had so many beautiful parts of my childhood that it, not so much now, but early on, it was like, what do you mean wrong? It was perfect. And now I'm able to say, okay, well there, you know, we had a special needs child. There were some things that were hard and they definitely shaped me. And if I'm not aware of those things, then how am I going to, you know, counter them and grow productively? Yep. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us for the discussion about why we need others to speak into our story. We have a few questions for you to consider and we'll give you some space to do that now. We invite you to share your insights with the people in your life. Today, we have four questions for you to consider. Question one, in today's episode, we talked about three things that outside people offer us as we explore our stories. The gift of presence, outside perspective, and validation of your experience. Which of these three things do you need the most? Two, what input would be most helpful for you in this season? People who knew you then or people who know you now? Three, who are some wise people with your best interest in mind that you can ask to help you see your own face? And four, from StratOps' four helpful lists, right, wrong, missing, and confused, which category do you tend to resist? Which category excites you the most? Why? I'm Casey Sunstead, along with Tyler in September. We're glad you joined us for this conversation. If you're finding this podcast helpful, spread the word. Share it with your friends. It's really helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes to invite other people into the conversation. Also, we'd love to hear from you on Facebook and Instagram. We're continuing the conversation there. Join us for the next episode as we wrap up this series, Origins, When Your Past is Present where we will explore how our positive and negative inputs from our stories 
also color our experience of God.